Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Organization. We are one E-E-O. Oh, one E-O. EO is the only global network exclusively for entrepreneurs. This collection of membership comes with stories of hard-earned lessons and successes. You're invited to join this movement. And now, your host, Stephen Distante. And today I am joined by Debbie Gordon, an EOer from Nashville. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you for having me, Steve. My pleasure. You know, I was so excited when I heard the concept of what you're doing. Um, But just going back a little bit, it brought me back to my days of strategic coach. Are you a strategic coach alumni by any chance? I am not, but I'm very familiar with a lot of the tools. Very valuable. Yeah, they help get my life sort of in order if, if there's such a thing for entrepreneurs. But when I was there, there was a fellow um, alumnus over there, uh, Larry Lynn, who wrote a book. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. It was Make the Noise Go Away or something like that. What was the mm-hmm. what was the book? Yeah, Larry Linney wrote a book called Make the Noise Go Away. And the whole premise of it was being able to um, utilize and, and embrace and unlock the power of your second in command or somebody who could potentially be a second in command. Nice. I like that term second in command too. That's pretty neat, but you've created kind of a program around this um, that pretty much teaches the, the messaging that's in the book and, and then some, right? Right. Yeah. So um, I've created a program called the Master Key Executive Program, and it's actually based on a course that Larry Linney developed uh, years ago. And the course was a it, it was directed toward CEOs, some of whom were entrepreneurs. Um, and the whole idea is that people. Spend, entrepreneurs especially spend time doing what is not necessarily the most valuable thing that they could be doing for their company. Um, and so he developed a course originally to help CEOs be able to get back to spending their time in their highest and best use by offloading some of those uh, challenges to people in their organization that they may as a privilege to be able to do, whereas a CEO may see it as a hindrance to their ability to do what they do best. And so this program that he developed was extremely successful, um, but it was only geared toward CEOs generically. And as you probably know, a CEO that was hired is extremely different from a CEO who is the founder of the company. Because mm. the only reason a founder is the CEO is because they hired themselves. Um, so they're not necessarily uh, the best person to be doing the job of a quote-unquote CEO, even though that is what their title is. So I've adapted a lot of that program, which has become the Master Key Executive Program, um, which we're delivering throughout a lot of EO chapters. And that program focuses specifically on the entrepreneur CEO because people who work with entrepreneurs have a completely different set of challenges than people who work for a hired CEO because the drive is different. The things that bring them um, fear are different. And so it's a whole 
different dynamics that has to be focused on very specifically when people work for entrepreneurs or, or with uh, entrepreneurs who are the CEOs. We're different. Oh, I'm, I'm laughing here. I know we're different. We're crazy typically, and we usually drive everybody else nuts around us. So having been an alumni of this program or graduate, so to speak, it can go on forever, but it traditionally is about a three-year program, a strategic coach program. They talk to us about a thing called our unique ability or mm-hmm. our, um, you know, what it is that if we're in our zone of genius, what we can be doing. And I imagine you empower entrepreneurs to either get into or stay in that zone as long as possible by bringing this program to companies. Would that be correct? That is correct. So we want people and people hopefully want for themselves to be able to stay in their happy place, in their zone, whatever their unique ability is. And it's called many different things. It's called their highest and best use. Um, But when we talk about that, whatever, whatever you want to call it, it's where there's a convergence of where what what you do that brings the most value to your business and what brings you the most energy and really what you like to do. Um, those things are going to be the most valuable for a business. Now, unfortunately, and very consistently, entrepreneurs spend an average of only 20% of their time in their highest and best use. So if you think about it, that means that whatever it is that they do, so let's say it's um, you know business development, just to make it a simple example, if they do business development uh, at a high level or whatever it is, um, if they do that only 20% of the time, that's one out of five days on average that they're spending doing what it is that, they, that brings the most value to their company. So 80% of the time, those other four days on average, 80% of their time is spent doing something that or many things that they don't necessarily love and are not bringing the most value to the business. So every minute that you spend doing something that isn't in your highest and best use is costing your company money, but it's also probably making you miserable. Because if you think about it, when you're doing something that you love, you know, just just for a second, think about what it is when you when you come home from work and you're like, oh my God, that was such a great day. Whatever it was that you were doing that day, um, it's contagious the way you feel. So you go back into the office the next day. Everyone is like, wow, my boss is so energized and we're all going to be energized because everything's positive. But then on the other side of that, if 80% of your time you're doing something or things that are potentially a drag or know that you're being taken from your highest and best use, that also... uh, cascades throughout the company. So it's not just opportunity cost that spending time in a not efficient place costs, but it's also um, kind of the, the other ramifications, which is on company culture, because people follow what their leaders do. So if leaders are not spending their time in their highest and best use, guess what? Their employees are not going to either. So it's really, really important for so many reasons um, that people are able to learn how to protect their time um, because successful entrepreneurs, successful business people, and really successful people know what their value is and have to protect their time and know what they need to do to do that. The thing that uh, is, a, is a little you know, different here, we don't just say stop doing those things in the 80%. That's not reasonable because 
it's very difficult to try to teach a grown adult to just change and stop doing things. So we have to change the environment that is causing them to go back into the nitty gritty of the business and potentially micromanage and have to know everything that's going on because they don't feel safe. So we have to change that environment. And that 100% starts with their second in command. So the second in command has to know what keeps the entrepreneur from spending their time in the highest and best use. And then the second in command is the first one who's able to protect them from doing that. It doesn't actually mean that second in command is going to do everything that the entrepreneur was doing that they shouldn't be. But the second in command in our program, in the Master Key program, is given the tools to lead others so that ultimately everyone is spending their time in their highest and best use. And that is what a highly performing organization looks like. Amazing. So I am so excited to go to this program. We're going to be hosting it in our chapter, but you know, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the program. How does it work? You know, what is the, you know, the basics, like what, what can we expect? Well, how do, how do we, um, receive all of this great stuff? Do we have to go to every meeting and how long does it last? All that good stuff. Great question. So about what the, what the program looks like. Um, first, we start out with a workshop, which is typically a chapter learning event. And the chapter learning event is where the members bring their second in command. And it doesn't have to be somebody who they necessarily call a second in command. That's not usually somebody's title on their business card. But it's really going to be the person who, who reports directly to the owner, to the CEO, um, and who is somebody who that they trust the most and is, is really kind of the next level of leadership um, beyond the CEO. Because that's the person who ultimately has the power to help make their noise go away. And so they attend together. And we go through a few exercises where we have them talk in pairs about specific things around what keeps the entrepreneur up at night. Um, and the things that keep entrepreneurs up at night that we are talking about in this context are not things that really have to do with the business of the business. You know, we're not talking about, oh, we need to close this deal next week and I'm worried about it, or I want to make sure, you know, our product launches on time next week. It's not that stuff. It's the things that make an entrepreneur feel unsafe. Um, it's things like, I don't know what's going on with something, so therefore I'm going to assume nothing's going on. Or I'm worried that my culture is not, we don't have control of the culture. I'm worried that my employees are lazy and we're paying them way too much. I'm worried that we might not have the right seats and uh, people in the right seats on the bus. I'm worried that in 10 years, um, our products and services are not going to be needed anymore and we're going to go out of business. I'm worried that I don't even have enough time to dedicate to my family because I'm trying to spend 100% of time in my business making it perfect, but also trying to make my family perfect. So it's all those things that go through an entrepreneur's head. They don't typically share with people. If there's not really a, a platform to have those discussions. So we, we have the, and enable those discussions in this workshop and it is unbelievable what happens. And in just a couple of hours, the relationship between the entrepreneur and the second in command has gone to a completely different level. It's a whole other dimension of the relationship. It's not about the work 
the work of the work and the business of the business. It's about what is making the entrepreneur feel the way they do. And the second in command now has an appreciation of why entrepreneurs and why specifically their entrepreneur may act the way they do. Setting, you know, thinking things are a lot easier than most people think, you know, thinking that, um, uh, uh, you know, feeling, feeling the need to have their hands in everything, to feel relevant. Um, there's a lot of behaviors that entrepreneurs take on because they're entrepreneurs. They weren't born with those behaviors, but they do them, and they're not that great for everybody in their company. So if their second-in-command can understand that um, and learn how to kind of be a translator to the company, then that helps everybody, and then the entrepreneur is insulated and protected from all that stuff we call noise. So we do this in the workshop, and just just coming out of the workshop, it is unbelievable to see um, how the relationship has changed and how there's a new level of respect and understanding. And we also do what is called um, it's, it's we we teach how to do an up at night meeting, and so this is a very um, structured meeting. It lasts 20 minutes every week, and it's an update on what what is keeping the entrepreneur up at night that is not in your typical meetings. It's not stuff you're discussing about a client or employees or anything. It's the big stuff. Um, and having this constant communication about the things that are keeping an entrepreneur up at night continue to develop that relationship and help the second in command know what the entrepreneur needs to not be doing um, or doing more of. And so it's kind of like um, if you think about, you know, marriages and families, a lot of people get so wrapped up with their kids and driving them to soccer practice and birthday parties and everything that sometimes the, the um, mother and father forget, you know, they kind of lose touch and they have to have date night, right? So they have to kind of reconnect and talk about themselves versus just the, the business, which in, the, in that case is the family. Um, so this is like it's, it's keeping a, um, a rhythm of ensuring that, that there's that, uh, that opportunity to talk about things that are really, really important to the entrepreneur that, that are not necessarily things that come up in the, in the day-to-day of the business. Um, and when people have those meetings every week, uh, and that's where people have been most successful with this is when they actually do that. Um, that it, it's amazing what happens. I mean, we have people that have said, um, you know, at the end of the year, I don't even attend meetings that I used to run. Um, or I don't have to go to the office anymore because I know that things are being handled. Or I can go on a month's vacation and not worry that, that things are out of control because somebody else has their back. And at the end of the day, you want somebody else to really think like you and have your back. So then we have the work. So after the workshop, then we offer a course. Um, and that course spans one year. And it is six in-person sessions for the second in command to attend. Um, and we do it in the city of the EO chapter. Um, and the first session, the entrepreneur and the second in command attend together because there's a lot of alignment that has to happen. Every entrepreneur is different. We, you know, there's, there's different needs. There's different, uh, just the different dynamics. So there's some more alignment uh, assessments that happen. So they have a baseline for what the second in command is really going to focus on over the rest of the year. And then um, the second in command attends a three-hour class um, five more times over the year. And then we also do a video call update 
on the off months, which lasts about 90 minutes. Um, and the nice thing about this program is that unlike going to you know, a speaker or a full day workshop where you're drinking from the fire hose and you come back and you're like, okay, we need to implement everything and we need to change everything. And then nothing actually happens. This is learn a few things, implement a few things, learn a few things, implement a few things. And it's very manageable. It's not a system. You're not changing systems and things in your business. You're incorporating, they're learning how to incorporate different practices, decision-making practices. uh, having you know people understanding the the value of their team members so they can all be in their highest and best use, um, understanding how to protect company culture, understanding how to ensure that the employees of a company are living the core values because those are the things that keep an entrepreneur up at night. But if a second in command can take ownership of some of those things, it doesn't add to their job. It doesn't mean you have to give them a raise um, or add to their responsibilities. It's taking ownership of ensuring that those things are managed so that ultimately the entrepreneur can spend their time in their highest and best use. So over the course of the year, we focus on also what are the best use of skills of the second in command, because it has to start from the top and go down. Um, And so there's a lot of leadership development for the second in command. And after each class, the second in command is going to share with the entrepreneur what they did and what they're implementing. And just that sharing is, it takes noise away from the entrepreneur. They're, they have a feeling, and I've, I've had this before. I had a second in command. And when he would give me information and tell me all the great things he was doing before I even wondered, it made me just want to hug him and think, say, thank you. Oh my gosh, you have my back. And I have such an appreciation for you. So we, we create an opportunity for that to happen throughout the year. Um, so this is an evolution. It's a process. This isn't something that happens overnight, but we can see it beginning to happen from day one. And it's, it really, really is amazing. Um, so it, it, it elevates, um, it elevates the second in, in command to a point where they have ownership of certain things and elements of the business that otherwise would have kept the entrepreneur up at night. Um, and they actually feel like they get to do stuff that the entrepreneur used to feel like they have to do. Because if you, if you think about it, entrepreneurs and second-in-commands should have very different personality types. Um, and so things that bog an entrepreneur down and make our blood boil may be something that a second-in-command may feel privileged to do. And so we have to, we have to look at all these things that, that keep us up at night. And maybe they're not bad for everybody. Maybe somebody else would love to take ownership of that. So it's definitely an evolution, um, and it, it has been used by so many people. And to really, ultimately, we start a business um, because we want to have control over something and not have to go get a job. But unfortunately, sometimes and more often than not, we feel like um, our business owns us. And so we need to get out of that. And that means getting out of spending your time where you shouldn't be and trying to get to where you spend your t- 80% of your time in your highest and best use instead of the 20% that most of us spend. That's terrific. So, you know, I loved the line that you used, which was sometimes people just enjoying in doing that other 80%. And I had the same experience with my second in command when I was telling them how busy I was um, in the next month or so, I'm in maybe, I don't know, 20, 30% of the month I'm in the office. And he said to me, I'm so happy you can go out and do 
what you're supposed to be doing and not be, you know, hanging out here making, uh, you know, making noise all over this place. So I totally agree with you. <laughs> Make that so, noise go away too. The noise that you create. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The noise that we create. And so I, I've had the same experience. So how valuable it will be to EO members and their second in commands to be able to experience this relationship relationship enhancing and experience, um, you know, experientially for both parties, for the entrepreneur and for their, you know, key executive. I mean, that's just great. And then there's sometimes, like I know in our chapter, the New York chapter, we do um, an executive uh, forum. So Mm -hmm. those are people who are second in command, I suppose, and, and they get together. Do you have that experience with other chapters as well? I do. And actually, um, so, so around key executive forums, there's, there are a lot of chapters who do key executive forums and what key executive forums have been missing. And this has been something that, um, a lot of chapters have come to me about is that key executives function and function very differently than entrepreneurs. We talked about that, you know, where there are just different personality types and you want them to be, you don't want your key executive, um, you know, second in command to be, you know, this um, shiny object squirrel person. You want them to be focused and help make sense of all your innovations and implement them. Um, so they're, they're going to be a lot more structured uh, than sometimes entrepreneurs are. And so um, what key executive forums are often looking for is a little more meat um, versus just being in a forum the way EO members are in a forum. They need a little more context. And so what this does is for, for uh, people who are currently in a key executive forum, if they go through this course, they actually have more context to be able to give presentations and to be able to give experience sharing um, and, you know, share with, their, with the rest of their forum. If they had, you know, hopefully the forum would go, all go through it. Um, but it gives them context to really work on things and talk about the implementation and change that they're seeing and how it's really improving the organization um, by them implementing a lot of the tools that they learn throughout the course. So we usually like to wrap up these calls, these, uh, these episodes with the question um, surrounding the name of this, the One EO Radio uh, podcast. And when I say the words, one EO, what does that mean to you? One EO means to me, I think everything that I've experienced in EO in the almost 13 years that even though there's chapters, there's chapters in countries, there's countries in regions and regions in the world, every single person in EO experiences the same challenges, the same fears, the things that drive them, um, the opportunities. And so it doesn't matter if you're in New York or in Saudi Arabia, um, you still have the same things that drive you and the same experiences or different experiences, but the same um, subjects that you can share experiences on. And it's amazing. And and from my experience, everybody I've met throughout the world in EO, and I've traveled to a lot of different countries, it's just so inspiring and makes the world seem a lot smaller and flatter 
because we're very similar. We may be different culturally, but we're so similar and have an appreciation for each other um, about how different we are, but also about how, how similar we are in so many ways. And so I definitely see it as one, one big um, organization and everybody is, is uh, equal. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a million dollar company or a half a billion dollar company. Um, it is, it is definitely one EO. And I think that's an amazing thing about it. I couldn't agree more. One big global EO family. Well, thank you again. And thank you for listening today to the one EO radio podcast, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. I hope you have enjoyed today's podcast. Please subscribe, share, and review us. Thank you, Debbie, for your time to get members excited to learn more and be inspired you know, by your awesome program and the change of lives of entrepreneurs globally. Um, please stay tuned for many more inspiring entrepreneurial podcasts like this. This is Steve Vistante signing off. Thank you. The world's most influential community of entrepreneurs. We are one E-E-O. One E-O. Thank you for listening to the One EO Podcast. Our hope is that you're inspired because it's that element that gets entrepreneurs moving. If you aren't a member of EO yet, you can visit eonetwork.org to learn more. That's www.eonetwork.org. That's the letter E, the letter O, network.org. If you are a member of EO and wants to know more about how to get involved with One EO Podcast, contact Steve Distante or John Todavia, your chapter's rep. Please take the time to subscribe and leave a five-star review on whatever channel you're listening to this on right now. EO is in a position to be in that leadership role that our world needs today. Leading by example, we are one EO.